Well, Easter this year is on April Fool's Day next year, so that's good. Gonna have to work around that. You know, I, the only reason I connected the two is because I thought, hey, next year, I wonder if when April Fool's Day is on a Sunday, I might could like bring my ukulele out of my office or something. And then I realized it was on Easter. I thought, well, there's gonna be a lot of people here. I'm gonna need more ukuleles. But there, no, hey, will you turn this mic off here, mic one, please? Thank you. Uh, the what? Never been thrown off by a pleasantry before. Uh, the, but I think it's appropriate. I'm not going to talk about this on Easter, but I think it's kind of appropriate that Easter's on April Fool's Day. Easter's such a weird celebration. It's so shocking. It's so surprising that Jesus is alive, and we we need to embrace that craziness of the gospel. We need to embrace the idea that this is this is a fool story, but it's true. And if we can wrap our heads around that, then we're coming in to a common interaction with God. When people interact with God in scripture, it's usually it is usually framed up in a certain way. There is initial shock and awe. So Moses shows up at the burning bush and he uh, he sees a bush on fire that's not, not the fire's not hurting the bush. It's just on fire, like, uh, like that girl from that song. And so it's a, it's a burning bush, and they're on, they're on it's, it's, it's there, and, God, and he shows up, and he says it's, and God speaks to him through the burning bush. So Moses falls flat to the ground. He is, um, blown away by the presence of God, and that's the proper response, to be blown away by the presence of God. And then typically God asks something of you or tells you something that he wants you to tell other people or tells you something that's going to happen to you and you think he's crazy. And that's the proper response too. And then God tells you, no, 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 it's fine. And then you decide to go with him. And that, too, is the proper response. Um, there's this, this guy named Zechariah in Luke. And God shows up to Zechariah and says, hey, y'all are going to have a kid. Now, Zechariah is late in life. He, he is older you don't, you can't say old anymore. You can say oldish, older. Old, you, you can say all of the old is the word you can't say. He is older, Zechariah. His wife is older, but not as old. And that's important to her, I think. But he says, you're going to have a kid. I'm 35. If an angel came to me today and said, hey, you're going to have a kid, I'd say, no, we have plenty. Go visit Andrew and Regina. <laughs> they are willing. 
They're not even here. Andrew's out cooking our turkeys for the wise, the, um, the, the dinner. The, uh, but no, like I would be, it, it's daunting. God shows up. Wow, God's here. God says what's going to happen. God, that's a bad idea. How's that going to work, God? That they can't be. All right. You're going to um, be quiet. You're going to be mute until the child comes and you name him. And you're going to name him John. And so at this point, you're like, why? why? I think that's a legitimate question about Elizabeth, though. Why? Prophets were born all the time of just natural couples, normal means. Why did John the Baptist have to be born miraculously from a woman late in life? What what good does that do? I mean, John the Baptist is going to be born, and we don't hear much from his mother and father after this story after the, the, the birth narrative in Luke. So why is the miracle needed? John often, we hear the, the, the sermons of John and they never are, I was born from an older woman. He never starts them with like that premise. It's not helping his message. Sometimes me and the kids in the back have a competition about who can yell the loudest. We never have, like, he didn't use it. It wasn't something that, that, that helped his ministry. So why do it? Well, this is really interesting, just like one verse, one little verse. When Mary's gone through this cycle, when she has been faced with a messenger from God, has been blown away, And then God tells her what's going to happen. And she correctly says, wait, what? Excuse me? um, He says, you're going to have a baby. And she said, I don't know how. That's not how angels stand and deliver news. (laughs) He says, (laughs) he says, you are going to have a baby. And Mary says, okay, um, I've got to confess, I'm a virgin. How? How can that be, she says. Actually, we have that scripture on the board, so let's go to that slide. It'll be Luke 1, verse 34. It says, she says, how will this be? Since I am a virgin. The angel answered. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. You are going to carry God's Son. And then, just without even her asking. He says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. And she who was 
said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Go back to that previous slide. Even your relative, even that old woman, they said she couldn't have a child, and here she is, she's having a child. God comes to Zechariah to, make, to tell him something about Elizabeth. Elizabeth gets pregnant. Then God comes to Mary to tell her something about the Messiah and points to... That is the, that's the cutest little cry I've ever heard in my life. That was, is that you, Steve? No? Not this time. There, God, come, God comes to Zechariah to tell about Elizabeth. And then God uses Elizabeth to tell Mary about her situation. He says, she says, how is this going to happen? And he says, look at Elizabeth. So if I if I started the sermon and said, hey, in the Bible, an older woman gets pregnant, which story would you think of? Probably wouldn't be Elizabeth. Probably be Sarah. The one who started this all. Another miraculous birth, a birth from someone who didn't. It didn't have any business getting pregnant. Didn't have any business having a child. And Mary is at the top of that list and she says, this doesn't even make sense. He said, it will happen. Let's look at Elizabeth. This is one of the most beautiful things about God is that God knows we can't fathom God. God knows that we don't understand what God's doing. God understands our misunderstandings. And is willing to point for us. He's willing to bring people into our lives to say, look at them. They're doing it. It's, it's, it's working for them. You walk alongside them. I've been in their life. Now I will be in your life and the effects will be the same. But sometimes I need God to point to somebody and say, I've worked with them like I'm going to work with you. Now, this is this is why and we talk about this a lot, but this is why you need to be open about your brokenness. Because there are people in this church right now who feel like they're the only sinner who's sinning that sin today in this place. And with with. All of you here, that's probably not true. That's probably not accurate. We are sharing in our brokenness, but we feel like we're alone. Because we come to church all buttoned up and trying to put on the best. Now we will say our best for God. I don't think we mean that. I think we 
we like to present ourselves. God, God knows you. You can't put on a tie or 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 you know a nice, a real nice belt. You like my belt? He's. You can't put on. You can't wear clothes and fool God. God sees us clearly. Whether we're suit and tie or jeans and or or overalls. I had a man in my uh, church in Texas who always wore overalls. I liked him. We had a guy who wore a suit. I, we need people to wear suits. We need people to wear overalls because I want, if anyone, any visitor comes in, I want them to be able to find somebody who looks like them. But whatever you're wearing, God sees you. The problem we have is that we're not presenting ourselves to each other accurately and honestly and humbly so that God can use us to, for other people to, he can use us when he's working with other people to say, I'm working with him. And if God's going to do that, we're probably going to have to get to a place where we need work too, or at least we admit it. God's always using the community to help the community. Unless we can be honest with each other. So God can take others and point to us or take us and point to others and say, see, I am doing a thing. God will help you. He will take care of you. One of the more frustrating parts of being a parent is whenever your kid needs help and won't take it. Not because, with young kids at least, it's not because they like, don't like you. It's because they think they can do it on their own. And you're watching them, and you're like, you can't do this. It's real motivational dad talk. You can't do this. You're not capable of whatever it is you're trying. I can help you. I can teach you and we can work together and we can accomplish this together. No, I can do it. All right, let's try. I will stand by you while you fail. But it didn't have to be that way. That didn't have to be an option. Now, kids need to fail. Sometimes it's like we don't think we need God to come and work powerfully in our lives. We'll come and we'll, we'll, we'll look at God and we'll say, God, you are holy. But when then God says, hey, I've got something, I've got a direction for you to go. I've got a thing you need to do. I've got a person you need to befriend. We're not even getting to the part of, God, that's crazy, I can't do it. We're just saying, God, I don't need to do that. We're not getting to the hard part. Yes, God is good. Absolutely. Jesus died for my sins. Absolutely. Jesus is alive. Absolutely. Turn the other cheek. Well, he didn't really mean it. We're at the place. We're at a point where God is asking stuff of us. And it's going to be hard. And God can point for all of us, God can point to his son. Well, he did that. God can point to Jesus. 
At what point do we stop turning the other cheek? It's going to, it's going to be some, it's going to be at some point past a cross. Because Jesus went that far. That is really hard. And that's, that's worth us saying to God, that sounds crazy. And God can point to Jesus and say, I, I know, but your Savior, when no one said he could, did. Mary gave the right response. Next slide, verse 37. The angel says, for no word from God will ever fail. Isn't that our worry? Is that it will fail. And then in verse 38, Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. I think we've had some good interactions with God, but once God asks us to do things and God points to his son or uses us to, for other people to point, like the, the actions of God, what God is asking us to do, we are nervous about. And as he points to his son, as he points to Elizabeth, as he points to Jesus, as he points to, as God points to people and says, that life works. I know you're asking, how can this be? But that life works. And nothing that God says goes away. Our response can be, yeah, that's crazy. But I'll do it. And to me, that's the Christian, that's the Christian ethic summed up. That sounds crazy. But I'll do it. That doesn't sound like it's going to work. Sounds like actually that's going to leave me in a place that I don't want to be. But I am the Lord's servant. And may his words to me be fulfilled. I'm not going to get my way. I am the Lord's servant. And may his words to me be fulfilled. I might not get to buy that new truck. But I am the Lord's servant. And may his words to me be fulfilled. We are asked a lot. God asks of us a lot in the Christian life. But never more than he's given us. He asks of us a lot. And it sounds crazy. I mean, we, I grew up with baptism. I grew up with people going in the water and we saying, do you believe that Jesus is, Jesus is Lord? They said, yes. So we dunked him in water. But if like an alien dropped in, we'd, what, what would they say? What are y'all doing? Why can't y'all just take their word for it? Why does there have to be mild bullying involved? We get to tell them, like, well, let me tell you the story. 
Jesus died for us and that death, burial, and resurrection is represented. It's like we're sharing in it with him. And when we come out, we are walking in resurrected life. We are, we are joining with Jesus. And with that joining of Jesus, we find something beautiful, something, a, a relationship, a covenant, a marriage to God that makes sense finally of our life that did not make sense. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but it means something. And I can point to my baptism and Jesus's and, and all and those who I, I, um, I am a Christian with in my church and say it is it is life altering when you profess that Jesus is Lord and unite with him in death, burial and resurrection. It sounds crazy. But I am the Lord's servant. And may his words be fulfilled in me. If you want to commit to being the Lord's servant this morning and commit to His words being fulfilled in you, please come forward while we stand and while we sing.